Amen. Hosanna. Okay. Howie did such a great job yesterday, right? You're going, Mark, get out of the way. Let him at it. So I will. Let me just say this little bit in addition to what I said yesterday about him, which I won't repeat. Howie and Joanne have served with SIM, I believe. Howie was born into SIM, as was I. And uh, SIM stood originally for Sudan Interior Mission. They have now picked up with, uh, with other missions and joined in together, and they've shortened it down to the acronym SIM. And uh, their heart cry is to do their work by prayer from anywhere to everywhere. They have about 4,000 workers around the world in about six, on about six continents in about 70 countries. I think Howie said yesterday maybe 75. You can clean me up later. With 60 nationalities among their professionals. This is a very multinational, uh, multi-ethnic uh, organization that is serving our one Lord. I think they're a great example to us of how to do harmony in the midst of tremendous and strong diversity. So it's a great organization if any of you are interested in it. This is not a missions conference, but it's nice to have what I think I've, I've heard Howie described as the best speaker among the SIM group of professionals. I've also heard him described as one of the best speakers in the world, period. Um, so it's a delight to have him here. It's a delight to be honoring them together as distinguished alumni this year, uh, this, yeah, this year and this week. So let me get out of the way. Father, O Holy Father, O Righteous Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. Come now, we pray, to awaken our hearts with a message. We pray that you would pour an enormous blessing on Howie and Joanne this week. And we pray that you would fill this room so that our hearts burst open for you. In Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Mark, and good to be back with you again this morning. I don't know about all those things that Mark said this morning, but what I do pray is that whenever God gives us an opportunity to speak in public like we do today, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. I don't care much if you hear my voice. I really care if you hear the Holy Spirit. I really care. That's what it's all about, is to listen to His voice and do His will. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I guess one of the secrets of life and being useful in God's service is being able to listen to the Lord, to listen to Him, to let Him speak to you. If you don't have that sense in your life of, of God speaking to you, my, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We have a spirit. God has a spirit. And, and we should hear from the Lord. And we hear in many ways, in music, in song, in testimony, and from, particularly from the Word of God, and often as we pray. As we pray, God often speaks to our spirit and as we listen to his word. And, and uh, I just pray that that will be exactly what will happen again this morning. Let me just say about a word about tonight. Tonight they've asked us to tell stories. Well, tonight my wife would like to tell you the story of what God in Ethiopia, among the Guragi people, 
an unreached people group there that the Lord led us to, and we were there only for a short time in our early life. But then we go back, and actually we'll go back again this January and minister to them again. And I would like to tell you a story from Ghana, the story of incredible things that God did in reaching an unreached people. And I think you'll be thrilled. I really do. So I encourage you to come and be with there. Now, yesterday we started talking about Joshua. And um, I love the book of Joshua. I see it as a, as a great book of beginnings. And I'm very aware that there are many of you who are sort of starting out in your, in your real journey here. And I know that this was the place I mentioned to you yesterday, that it was in this very room, uh, sitting right about over there, that God really began to stir in my heart as I was a senior in high school. This was our high school auditorium. And then God led us from here. And I really pray that God will continue to work in your hearts. Now yesterday, if you remember when the ten spies came back, Joshua also came and he spoke to the people. And as they said, you know, we can't go, they're giants in the land. Joshua said, if the Lord is delighted in us, he will give us this land. Notice that word. If the Lord is delighted in us, if we obey him, if we, if we do what God wants us to do, God will give us this land. And I mentioned to you yesterday that I think that that's a picture of our journey out of bondage, out of sin in, in the Pharaoh in Egypt, and, and, and going through a wilderness time in our life. Maybe many of us are there today. But God leading us into blessing, into a place of blessing and prosperity and fruitfulness in our life. And, and, and Joshua was saying, now, now Lord, if, <laughs> you know, if we do what's right, God will give us that land. That was, that was a statement of faith. Now, there were other activities in the life of Joshua that I can't go into today. Uh, one of the big ones was, I think, where he learned the value of prayer. Uh, remember the story when they faced the Amalekites. Joshua was chosen as a general, and he went out there and fought the Amalekites, and Moses was up on the mountain, and he was praying for Joshua. And you remember the, the story when Moses' hands were raised up, you know, he was winning the battle. And prayer is so important, and I hope that God gives you a life of prayer. My daddy had a life of prayer. My father was a great man of prayer. And as a young man, this is a strange story, but I'm going to tell you, as a young man, he promised the Lord that he would spend every other night of his life in prayer. Whole night. You think it's impossible? Well, I would too. Except that I was a little guy and I'd wake up in the night and do what little boys need to do in the middle of the night. And I'd call daddy, daddy, he'd be down on his knees in prayer. And when he was an old man, he confessed to me one time, he says, you know, I'm on these heavy drugs now, and he said, I, I can't pray. But, you know, he used to spend his whole life in a, in a life of prayer, and you could see it in his life. God's radiance, God's life, there's some SIM missionaries here today, and they would testify. You could see the glow of God upon this man as he walked, what a tremendous example he was for me. Joshua learned the importance of prayer. And today we're going to see something else that Joshua really learned, the importance of some. If you have your mobile device or your Bible, whatever you have, please turn to Joshua chapter 1. And we'd like to see here now at this point where, where God spoke to Joshua in a very particular way. I would say there were sort of three callings of Joshua. One was Moses, you know, the spirit. God took the spirit that was on Moses and put it on Joshua. Then there was this time when God spoke to Joshua himself and gave him his commands. And then there's another passage that we'll look at tomorrow in Joshua chapter 5 where he had a very special experience with God. So look at Joshua chapter 1. Now I'd just like to point out a few things in here and then zero in on one particular word that I want us to really look at this morning. So Moses had died and um, God, spoke to, God spoke to Joshua 
And he gave him some promises. He gave him promises. And i just like you to look at this in Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to skip down to verse 3. He says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. Now, remember back there 40 years ago, he said, if, we, if, we, if God delights us, he will give us the land. Remember that? Here's 40 years later. Joshua's probably about 80 years old now. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness. He's about 80 years old. And God says to you, I have already given you this land. Now, I'd like you to think about that just a little bit because uh, that, that's a very, very important thing. That God has already given you things. Already now. He's already given it to you. Now, you have to go and possess it, but, but God has already given it to you. Galatians, or Ephesians talking about this. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everyone has already given to you. You've got to go and claim it, okay? And uh, you may just wonder how that, how that happens. And let me go into a little bit of deep theology here for just a minute, but I think that will help us to understand this. How can, how can God say, I've already given you this stuff? You know, um, you see, in this world, there are two powers. They're not equal powers, but they're two powers. There's God's power, there's God's authority, and there's, there's a great deceiver. There's the enemy of our souls. His name is Satan. And Satan has enormous control. If I were to ask you right now today, who controls the world? What would you say? Well, some of you would say, well, God controls the world. But others would have to say, well, actually, Satan controls the world. Jesus talked about the prince of darkness. Uh, Paul talked about the, the principalities and the powers in this world. And there's a sense in which Satan's presence is very, very real around us. And there's a sense in which he does control this world. He really does. And you don't need to go far. You don't need to look hard to see how the media, how the, how the governments, how the systems in our world, how all these things are being controlled, manipulated by somebody back there. Now, how did that happen? How did that happen? I'm struck by a phrase where, where Jesus is tempted, being tempted by Satan. And you remember that it's in, it's in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. And in Luke chapter 4, Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I will give you all this power, akousia, I will give you all this authority if you bow down and worship me. Because, he said, it has been given to me. Wow. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anybody who I want to. Well, there's several ways to look at that phrase. One is he's telling lies. I doubt it. I doubt that he's telling a lie in front of Jesus. He knows who Jesus is, right? So if Satan really has authority on this world and it has been given to him, who gave that authority to him? Now some of us might think, well, he usurped that authority. He came and he grabbed it out of God's hand. Really? Can you take something out of God's hand? Is Satan strong enough to, to take authority out of God's hand? Well, some people might say, okay, well then God gave him temporary authority. Really? Does God give authority to Satan? Really? Is that what happens? I think in order to understand this, we have to go back to creation. And we have to understand that God gave the authority of this earth to who? To us, right? He gave the authority to us. He said, rule it and subdue it. But who gave the authority to Satan? When Adam and Eve sinned, they forfeited their authority, and that authority was taken by Satan. Now, when Jesus came, he came back, and what did he say later? He said, all authority is given to who? To me. <laughs> so can you see now that when Jesus came, he undid what Satan did? 
We gave the authority to Satan, but Jesus came and took that authority away, and then he said, all authority is given unto me, now therefore you go. Because now he has the authority. And that's a wonderful truth. I don't know if you can put that in your theology basket or not, but I know when I've walked into the dark places of this earth, and friends, I can tell you, I've been in many, many places in this world where I've been the first Christian there, be the first one ever to announce the name of Jesus. I've been in many of those places. But you can walk into those places, or if it's in your business, or wherever it is that you go, and you can know right from the beginning, Jesus is in charge here. (laughs) It's not you all, it's Jesus. And I know that. See, I know that. And I know that Satan's defeated. And that's what God gave. That's the promise God gave to Joshua. Every place that the sole of your foot is tread upon, I've already given it to you. It's already yours. Now go and take it. And it's this business of possessing what God has already given us that is the challenge for us as Christians in the workplace, in the marketplace, in missions, whatever area God calls us into, it's that challenge of all taking back what God has already given to us. Now, there are many more promises in here, and I can't go through them all. I'd just like to point out a couple of them here to you. Uh, Verse 4, verse... uh, Verse 5, the end of it is, No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This idea of I was with Moses and I'll be with you is huge. And I would just again like to remind you this morning that before you came along, before you came on the scene, that there were many, many spiritual warriors that fought in front of you. And I will never forget, as a young man, going down to Sebring, Florida, where SIM's retirement center is, and talking to one of the general directors of SIM. His name was Ray Davis, and he put his hands on me. He said, I want to pray for you, young man, he says. And he prayed for me that day. And he reminded me that those who had gone before us, that God's Spirit had rested upon them. And he said, as God's Spirit rested upon us, may He rest upon you. And I remember being at the deathbed of my dad, and he came, he was dying. I came to his bedside. I knelt down beside my dad. He put his arms around me and he said, Son, as God's Spirit has been with me, may He be with you. And that's a tremendous promise for you all. That as God led our fathers and those before you, the generations before you, that God's Spirit is with you. You need to remember that. You walk in a long line, you walk on the shoulders of people who walk before you. But that same God that was with Moses. The same God with your fathers is with you. I love this. I will be with you. Wow. If that isn't one of the most precious promises in all of God's Word, I'll be with you. Wherever you go. And then I love this next one here. He says, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I love that. I love that. I will not leave you. You know that that promise is in the Bible four times. Did you know that? (laughs) First of all, Moses said it to Joshua. Then God says it to Joshua. Then David said it to Solomon. And then the writer of Hebrews picked it up. Here it says, I will never leave you and forsake you. When Hebrews picked it up, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. And I don't know about you, but I think many of us in our lives have gone through periods of our life where we felt abandoned. Abandoned by parents. Abandoned by a lover. Abandoned by a friend. Abandoned by those who we thought were supporting us. We went through tough times. But here's God's promise, and may it put starch in your bones. (laughs) God says, I will never 
Got that word? I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you belong to God? You're in his hands. I often take my pen and I hold it on a book or something like this, and I, I say to my students, I say, can you, can you make this pen stand up on this book? I can. You say, well, let me try it. Whoop, 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 whoop. Come on, whoop. <laughs> I say, I can do it. They say, no, you can't. I say, yes, I can. It's standing on the book. They say, that's no fair. <laughs> but you see, it is fair. Because <laughs> that's how we stand. God says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And friends, if you're in God's hand, you stand. You stand. That's what makes you stand, is you're in God's hand, firm in God's hand. And so he gave him these wonderful, wonderful promises. Now, if you notice here, there's three commands here, one right after another, that are all the same. Notice in your book, notice in your Bible here. Right after that says, he will not leave you, forsake you. And then verse 6, here comes the first one. Be strong and courageous. Got that one? Be strong and courageous. Now that's sort of like level one. That comes to be strong and courageous. He repeats himself again. Verse 7. Be strong and, next word, very courageous. Got it? <laughs> in case you missed it. Oh, third time. Third time. Here it is back in now. In, sorry, in verse, in verse 8. Uh, again, it says, Have not I commanded you? Didn't I tell you <laughs> to be strong and very courageous? Didn't I tell you that? And for what you're going out into, you're going to need to be strong and courageous. We face a hostile world. That's why I named my commentary in the book of Acts is, is, is courageous. Uh, you know, being, being courageous in a hostile world. You're going out into a hostile world. Believe it. The world doesn't like us. And the, the pressure is rising and rising. And it will continue to rise. And it will be even more hostile in your days than it was in mine. You're going into a hostile world and you're going to need to be strong and courageous. And that's why, of course, God gave you the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power. And what does that word mean, power, mean? Well, you get right down into the roots of it. It means to be able. Dunamis, dunamai means to be able. God will enable you to do things that you cannot do by yourself. You can't do this stuff. You can't be a missionary. You can't fly an airplane. You can't be a nurse. You can't do what you want to do. But God will enable you. And Jesus, Paul writes, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he will enable you. The second thing the Holy Spirit will do is he will embolden you. He'll make you courageous. He'll make you bold. And you need that boldness. <laughs> and how many times have I stood out there in front of a crowd, I'll never forget one day, there was this demonic prophetess, and she had gathered a crowd of 5,000 people. <laughs> and I was out there with my friend. <laughs> and she'd done her thing, and, and there I was sitting there with my friend, and here are all these people, and all this evil had been going on in front of me. And I'm supposed to stand up and give a message for Jesus. Man, I'm, telling you, I'm shivering in my boots. I'm shaking. <laughs> I stand up. Suddenly, there it comes, that quiet sense of God's Spirit. And to give you boldness. Now, sometimes you've got to put your foot in the water. It doesn't come naturally. But when you step out for God, you'll find out that God will make you able to do things that you cannot do, and he'll give you courage and strength that you do not have. That's why the Holy Spirit is given to you. That's exactly why you have it. Now, I love these verses. I love them. Now, all these things in here are kind of things that God promises, but there's one promise in here that's conditional that I really want you to pay attention to this morning. And that has to do with verse 8. So I'd like us to really concentrate on verse 8 
And I want to take you right down into the verse for a minute just to look at it. This book of the law, now obviously Moses had written the Deuteronomic law. He'd written the first five books of the law. So that's what he had. Now we have more than that. <laughs> we have the whole scripture. <laughs> written in 1,500 years, maybe up to 40 authors. We don't know who wrote some of the books. Judges, we don't know. Not sure about all of these books, we don't know. But about 40 authors. 1, 000, and this book shall not depart. Here is This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Notice. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now, I'd like you to know four things here, okay? Here it is. First of all, it was written down. So the first thing you've got to do is read it. <laughs> now, that sounds too simple to be giving to you, a Bible college audience, but let me tell you, there are a lot of people that don't read the Bible. There are lots of them, and there are lots of Christians that don't do it. To read it consistently and regularly in your life. My wife is my witness here this morning. Every morning after breakfast... We open up the Word of God. We did it when our kids were little. We've done it all our lives. We open up the Word of God. I have a little journal. I put in the date. I put in the text that we're reading. And then we read a portion of the Word of God. And we talk about it and think about it. When you do that every day, it's like recycling, re re reprogramming your computer. It's like rebooting. The things that happened yesterday, you know, they're kind of wiped out and forgotten. And it sets everything in order. And so the first thing Joshua has to do is read it. That's the first thing he's going to do. Then he's got to talk about it. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. And you talk about it. I love, I love what it talks about, but it says in, in Deuteronomy. Let me just read to you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and you shall, they shall be frontal between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them... When you are sitting in your house, when you are walking in the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gates that your days in the land of your children may be multiplied in the hand of the Lord swore to your fathers to give them. Talk about it. I say something here just now that you might not understand, but let me talk about it to you. You know, as a Christian, Satan does not have access to your mind. Did you hear what I just said? Now, I'm not sure about unbelievers. I think he does have access to their mind. But as a Christian, Satan does not have access to your mind, but he hears every word you say. Did you hear what I just said? Talk about it. Speak the Word of God. Tell it to other people. Share it with your friends. Oh, you know what I read this morning? I have a verse that I'd like just to share with you today. Speak the Word of God. It has power in it. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And you don't know that the thing that you say might be the very thing that the Holy Spirit uses to touch their lives and change them. You don't know what it is. So talk about it. Read it. Talk about it. Third thing he says, and back to, back to Joshua. Um, the next thing he says, this book of the law shall not depart from their mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Now I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But let me just turn over to Psalm 1 for just a minute because as David meditated on what God said to Joshua, he wrote these words. David was meditating. And he wrote these words. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. See? What was he doing? He, he's reflecting on what God spoke to Joshua. <laughs> 
That's what he's thinking about. And as he thinks about this, he does that. So we'll come back to that in just a minute. The final thing is do it. <laughs> so you got it? Read it, speak it, meditate on it, do it. <laughs> because without action, there's no transformation. You've got to be transformed, and you've got to do it. See, now like, look at this here. Satan knows every word in the Bible. He quoted it to Jesus. The, demo, the, the, devil, the evil, the, you know, these spirits, they know the word of God. Okay? But when you do it, when it takes action, that's when something happens. Now, as I, as I study this and think about it, the thing that, that makes this work, by the way, do you notice what it says here? Uh, For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. I don't think there's a person in the room here that doesn't want to be successful and prosperous in your life. But this is a conditional thing here now. You've got to do these things. You've got to read it. You've got to speak it. You've got to meditate. You've got to do it. And then your way will be prosperous. That's what, that's what David said, too. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that gives forth its fruit in a season, okay? So you'll be fruitful in your life if you do this. But I would like to come back to this one word here that says meditate on it day and night. Meditate. Very interesting word. <laughs> if you do word studies, and I love them, and I hope you do, or you got Strong's Concordance, well, look it up. Very interesting. <laughs> this word in the Hebrew actually has several meanings. One word is to, is to ponder, to think about. That's, we would expect that. Another one that you don't think about very often is to, to mutter, mutter. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> to be thinking over, to, to, to be sort of thinking over God's word. And to be. But another word that I really like, and this is sort of where I'd like to take us this morning, the word has the other meaning of to mourn. To mourn over God's word. Now, have you ever lost a loved one or somebody very dear that you really loved? Yesterday, <laughs> Joanne and I had the privilege of meeting two elderly people who have recently lost their loved ones. And I want to tell you that even though it's been four months, five months, a year, however it's long, when you say the name of their loved one, you're going to see tears in their eyes. There's something about mourning. There's something about getting our affections involved getting our emotions involved in God's Word, of, of meditating in God's Word that is transforming. The transforming power of God's Word comes as we meditate on God's Word, as we think about it. Uh, I love this word in the Amharic language, with which I'm very familiar. <laughs> and there are, there are cows out there. When I was a young boy and I slept in these African huts, there, there's kind of a divided house and there's a wall in the middle of the hut and on the other side are the cows, and you sleep on this side, right? And lots of times I was sleeping just on this side of the wall, and I would hear these cows on the other side. <laughs> you know what they're doing? They're chewing their cud. They're bringing it up and chewing it, and then putting it in another part of their stuff. They chew it up, and they bring it up. And that's my idea of meditation, of bringing it up and thinking about it, of letting it touch our emotions. Now you say, well, I don't like emotional things. Well, be careful when you say that. God made you mind, body, emotions. And there was a reason God made you emotions. Jonathan Edwards had a lot to say about emotions. He wrote this, this article, Religious Affections. And if you read what he says in there, basically what Jonathan Edwards was writing, he's back, you know, way back there in the, in the awakening. He says, if you don't touch people's emotions with your preaching and the word of God, you will never change them. 
Because it's at the emotional level when God's Word gets down into our emotions that it touches us and it changes us. Something happens. May I, at risk of, you know, kind of opening my heart to you this morning, may I share with you what happened to me while I was here at Prairie that I think illustrates this point very, very well. We had chapel speakers, and I slept through most of them. But <laughs> a lot of them preached the same thing over and over again. Oh, I've heard that, you know. But this guy came. He was Dr. Feinberg, Charles Feinberg. And he came and he said, you know, I'd like to give you a method of studying the Word of God. Said, oh, yeah, you know. But then he said this, and I, and I heard him. He said, if you'd like to really get into a portion of God's Word, why don't you read the same passage every day for a month? Wow. That's a pretty good idea. Read the same passage, over and over, same passage, every day for a month. You know, we sort of picnic and verses, and we read this, and sometimes we read through the Bible, you know, the rapid reading three passages away. He said, no, 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 just take the same passage and go over three days, uh, 30 days for a month. And I said, okay, I'll take Romans. Well, that's 12 chapters. I divide it in half 12. Uh, eight. I'll, tell, I'll take verse 8. And so, you know, you start reading the first day, and it's sort of like a flyover, you know, you sort of, fly over and you just sort of see a few things, you know, and, and, um, and a couple of days, you know, you begin to get a little bit familiar with this and that. Okay, well, chapter one's about this, and chapter two and three, and then you get to five, that's good stuff, six, seven, seven's kind of down, eight's up, you know, and you're sort of going like this, you know, and, and you sort of figure it out, you know, and so you fly, and then by the end of the first week, you're pretty familiar. Second week, you're sort of getting it, you know? Wow, this is what it says. I'm sort of understanding this. By the third week, you're starting to notice stuff. And by the fourth week, let me tell you, there's a couple things in there that get down into your gullet and you start thinking about this stuff. And you'd be surprised the verse that caught me was in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. And this is what it says. It says, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God leads you to Repentance. Now, I'm a missionary kid, right? Grew up in Africa, went through all the right schools. Pretty good guy. You know, doing things right. I do things right. You know, I do it. I'm okay. So I'm a pretty good guy. So I never thought of myself as a, as a bad person. Sort of a good guy, you know? It's a little bit, but, you know, sometimes, but usually pretty up and down. But I did think to myself as I read that, I thought, you know, there has never been a time in my life when I actually repented for my sin. There's never been a time when I was confronted with who I really am. And so I prayed a prayer <laughs> that I would say to you this morning, if you are not serious, don't do it. Very dangerous prayer. <laughs> I said, Lord, would you please show me who I really am? It's a little bit like what David wrote when he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And that began the process, and I'm not even sure how long it was, it might have been a couple of months, of God beginning to show me who I really am. And I want to tell you, the picture was not pretty at all. Boy, Everything I went to, I'd go to chapel, and wouldn't you know, the guy'd talk about something, and boom, you know, I poked over here. I'd open my Bible, I'm doing a course, I'm doing studies, and I'm opening my Bible, boom, I get hit over here. 
I would have prayed, bang, I gets over there, you know. Until I was a wounded soldier. And, and, and I got so full of my darkness of soul, so, so, much, so much blackness and evil and wickedness that I honestly didn't ever want to open the Bible. I didn't. In fact, I closed my Bible. I didn't want to read it. I, I didn't want to go to chapel. I did not pray. I went through a period of enormous, incredible darkness and blackness. My friends came up to me and they said, Howie, you'd be a pretty happy guy around here. We know you. What's the matter with you? Something's wrong with you. And there was. This stuff was working in me and it was going into me. And Oh my goodness, I saw myself as I had never seen myself before. A great sinner before God. Wicked, worthy of God's wrath. Worthy of God's damnation. Worthy of hell. I cried out. I said, Lord, I don't have the guts to do it, but I wish I could kill myself. I, I, I don't want to live. Lord, please, stop. And I'll never forget one day, walking up into my dorm room. I hadn't opened my Bible for several months. And I took my Bible and I just flipped it open. I don't recommend this. It's not the way you do your Bible study. It's not the way you do it. But it's what happened to me, okay? And it happened to open at Psalm 118. And I looked down at verse 17. And I read these words written by David. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die, but I will live and I will declare the works of the Lord. I'll tell you, that was like the lights went on. <laughs> just a switch, just a flip. And all of a sudden I realized that God had not called me to death, but God had called me to declare His Word. What a joy. What a joy it's been to declare God's Word. At my ordination, I remember the pastor there, we preached from Jeremiah. And he preached that wonderful passage from Jeremiah, I've put my words in your mouth. I've made you a prophet to the nations. And what a joy. I've had the joy and privilege of preaching all over the world, many, many places, many congregations, up in Nepal and China and Tibet, all over the world, places, Ethiopia, Ghana, Afghanistan, Uruguay, where I've been there, maybe a hundred countries, and taught the Word of God. What a joy, what a thrill. I'll never forget, <laughs> I think it was probably the next day, I worked down here in the, in the dishwasher. I, I washed dishes over here in the dorm, in the dining room. And it was a winter day, and I remember walking the path, I guess it's past behind here, this path back here, and in those days there were steam tunnels, I don't know if they're still here, but <laughs> are they still here? Okay, but there was a snowy day, and the snow had come down, everything was white, and there was just this dark path in front of me, this path going up there, and everything was white all around me. And I remember walking up that pathway, and the words of Romans again came flooding through my mind. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And God changed my life. I was transformed by meditating on God's Word, by letting that Word, that seed, drop down into my heart and soul. Now guys, listen, you're here for two years, three years, I don't know how long you're here. Please take the opportunity while you're here, not just to read God's Word, <laughs> you know, 
not just, not just to speak it, but to meditate on it and do it and let God change your life. Be transformed by the power of God. You have no idea. You, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it has not entered into the heart of man the things that God can do with those who are wholly committed to Him. And if you let God's Word get down into your heart, if you let that seed get down in there and germinate, it will bear fruit. And if you are transformed, you will be prosperous and you will have success. I don't know what that means in your life. It doesn't necessarily mean how many souls saved. It doesn't mean how many countries visited. It doesn't mean being a missionary. But whatever you do, God will make you prosperous and you will have success. Can you give me back those four things? Quote them after me. Let's say, read it. Say it. Read it. The next one, speak it. Meditate on it. And do it. And God will make you prosperous and give you great success. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning in the sound of my voice. Lord, they have heard my voice. It's nothing. May they hear the voice of your Spirit. May God's Spirit speak to us. May we hear His voice. My sheep, hear my voice. My sheep, hear my voice. Lord, I pray that You will speak to us this morning and that let Your Word sink into our heart, that we will meditate on it, and that it will change us so that we become prosperous and successful for You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.